going on? Welcome to a Friday edition of the People Show. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Bick Nazar here with you, Victor running the show. Down a man today, two man operation. No Dom in on a Friday show. But you know what we do have? We have the people texting in 650, 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Friday show, you know what happens. We got big six. We got guys naming dudes at the end of the show. New favorite segment here on the show. Uh, I'm excited for today's prompt. We'll get to that later on in the show, though. We got Ian Furness coming up in about eight minutes, previewing Seahawks at the Bengals from KGR Radio. Fridays also. We'll talk to uh, Brett Festerling. You'll hear him tomorrow here on the broadcast. BFF. Brett Festerling Fridays here on the People Show. It's going down. Uh, from now on here on the Friday edition of the People Show. We get to talk about uh, what's going to be happening with the Canucks on the weekend or what just happened. We'll get into it all with Brett, former NHL or former Vancouver Giant here on the People's Show uh, on a Friday edition, Friday the 13th. Do we not care about Friday the 13th anymore? I didn't hear about this until like 45 minutes ago. I definitely don't care. Is Is this another thing that millennials have canceled, just Friday the 13th? It's like... There's already so many bad things happening in the world. We, we're we not going to add Friday the 13th on it anymore. It used to be a huge thing. I'm sure it offends someone, so it has to be canceled. It, it, it got canceled somewhere. I, I didn't even like figure out it was Friday the 13th until 45 minutes ago. Usually I'm, you wake up, you knew days in advance. You're like, hey, check with all your friends. Make sure they're doing okay. Don't drive your car on Friday the 13th or something. Take every precaution possible. And now it just recedes into the background. I'm born on the 13th, so this has always been a lucky day oh, for me. Oh, rough. Wait, t- today's not your birthday, is it? No, no, no. Hey, look, I, I had a 1 in 12 chance to, of getting it right <laughs> there. Uh, so so you're familiar with Friday the 13th, very familiar. Oh, yes. Uh, but yeah, I, halfway through the day, it was like, hey, Friday the 13th. It's like, oh, my goodness. Leaf hater Steve texting in 650-650. First one in. That's what we uh, appreciate. First one on the text inbox, last one to leave. Leaf hater Steve. Uh, I was born on Friday the 13th. And and you're at least you're not a leaf lover because then you'd be like oh I'm really cursed if you're a leaf hater and you're born on Friday the thirteenth that sounds about okay. right yeah you're you're winning every year yeah if the Leafs don't win you win every year Steve so 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 you're crushing it so so maybe we've disproved that Friday the thirteenth is actually unlucky uh, six fifty six fifty keep coming in with your thoughts uh, whatever is on your mind heading into a weekend and a game day for your Vancouver Canucks. As they get set to see if they can back up an 8-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers. Again, against the Oilers. And we spent so much time uh, yesterday, you calling into the show, post-game show the other night as well. Uh, and, and all the discourses, like how, how entertaining that was. How refreshing it was to see uh, Vancouver Canucks play that way. A committed uh, performance. Not even just defensively, obviously the offensive explosion, but... A lot of what attracted it to people was the the defensive commitment and being willing to put sticks in the lanes and and be disruptive. 
And I go back to, you know, obviously, you know, what Rick Tockett said yesterday and, and Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Brock Besser, all those players in the postgame as well. I, I'm going to go back a little bit further. In the, you know, lead up to training camp, Rick Tockett did a Q&A with Ian McIntyre over at sportsnet.ca. And, you know, we've heard a, a lot of this from Rick Tockett about meeting pressure with pressure and all that sort of stuff. And then there was a quote from it. Um, I'll, I'll read it out to you here. And, and think about everything that we saw then the other night against Edmonton. And with this as the backdrop of, of, of it all. They're very talented players. They've had success individually and point-wise. But they know it's not so much about the individual stuff as team goals. Are they willing to sacrifice certain parts of the game for the team? Something I'm, I really believe they have in them. Everybody's tired of losing it. You hear everybody say that. That's okay to say that. But what are you doing to change the narrative? These are the things I challenge the players on. You're tired of losing, but what are you doing about it? When I talk to the leadership group, they're not talking about goals and assists. They're talking about changing the narrative. Now it's the actions. What are you doing to change the narrative? And yes, that's coach speak. Okay, We've heard that often. But it's also a challenge. And when we've heard that in the past, it hasn't followed up with the actions that Rick Tockett is talking about. And now reflect on what we saw on Wednesday. Didn't it feel like an evolution of sort? Here's JT Miller. What are you doing about it? You're tired of losing? What are you doing about it? Competing with Connor McDavid for 60 minutes. Doing your best. Look, Connor McDavid's still going to be Connor McDavid, but you do your best to make it as difficult as as possible skating with them challenging him in the neutral zone disrupting his speed through the neutral zone Quinn Hughes tired of losing look you've been fantastic it's 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 not your problem you've been fantastic but if you're tired of losing what are you doing about it different defensive performance from Quinn Hughes active in his own zone obviously uh put up the points as well as he always does Elias Pettersson tired of losing how are you changing the narrative what are you doing about it Send a message early in the game, Cody Cece, get out of the offensive zone. You might want to make a play. I'm making a play on you, sending you into the neutral zone. That's how you change a narrative. And when you think about, hey, it's not even just being about being energized to start the season. Is this the time we look at it and say, hey, is this a team that wants to change the narrative about themselves? Is this a team that has that mentality change in them, one game, of course. But now this is the exciting bit. Can you carry it into two? Can you carry it into three? And if you look, if there's an evolution change coming, how will this carry forward in the weeks to come for the Vancouver Canucks? Something I'm excited to talk about with Brett Festerling. We, we, we know they've had to deal with lows. We always talk about dealing with adversity. You know, one of the other things you have to do is making sure you harness and don't overextend yourself when the vibes are good, when things are going good, to not get belligerent with it and, and get lackadaisical with it. We, we all do it. We, there's a reason we call it you know, being fat and happy or fat and sassy. I think that's the term Rick Tockett even used today when meeting with media. Can't rest on your laurels. Can't get overexcited about it. Puff your chest out like, hey, we're here. We're fine. We solved it all. Being consistent with it is the struggle. We'll see what they can do tomorrow. Uh, 650, 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Again, we'll connect with Ian Furness in just a moment here as we get ready for uh, Seahawks Bengals as well. Which, by the way, you'll hear on these airwaves here on Sportsnet 650. Home of the Seahawks as well 
if you had missed out through five weeks. By week last week, Seahawks are back in action uh, this Sunday versus the Bengals. Will they uh, be on Big Six? We'll get to that in about uh, 12 minutes as well. Ian Furness going to join us here in just a minute. Uh, 6.50, 6.50. Uh, is it a full moon tonight as well? With Friday the 13th, you, you, you might have to avoid I, I don't know the moon cycles. I, I, I'm very, very sorry about that. Try to be intelligent on a lot of things. I don't have the information on moon cycles right now. But Friday the 13th, looming large over everything. No bad luck for the Canucks uh, just yet. Uh, that's t- that's tomorrow when things can flip. We'll see what uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid have uh, for the Vancouver Canucks tomorrow. But excited for the weekend. Seahawks at Bengals. Interesting time right now for the Seahawks. Players are coming back, coming off a of bye week. How do they rebound? You know, 10 a.m. games used to be a big problem for the Seattle Seahawks. Seems like they've corrected it over the last handful of years. Uh, now an opportunity coming off a of bye week. Let's get into it all with Ian Furness, who joins us now from KGR Radio, Fox Seattle as well. Ian, how are you? Good, guys. How are you guys doing today? Always a blast. Uh, it, it, this is like my favorite time of the year, right? I know people love the championships and the playoffs in the in the spring. When everything gets going here, we got hockey, we got baseball wrapping up, we got football. This is the best time of year for me. Good time of the year. I, I can't believe we're talking, you know, down here with me. Didn't Besser score like nine goals the other night for you guys? <laughs> yeah, he, he still might be turning the red light on, on Rogers Arena. <laughs> He's out. He's outscored the Kraken, uh, who played two games. He only played one. He's outscored him by himself. So yeah, let's go. Uh, all right, Seahawks this weekend at Cincinnati. Uh, we we saw a bit of a flash again. What we thought we'd see from the Bengals uh, last week in in the Cardinals. But going into this, uh, what's the confidence level like uh, in the city of Seattle and at the VMAC? I think pretty good. Uh, you know, the the Bengals looked a lot better last week than they did, you know, previous weeks. That's that's no good. I mean, I think one of the things that surprised us was the slow start. Although the Bengals had the same start last year too. They've, you know, Burrow's been hurt. Some other things have been going on, but you know, Jamar Chase setting a franchise record for receptions. This is a far different team than Seattle saw on Monday night a couple weeks ago against the Giants when you know they just kind of destroyed Daniel Jones and that team. So this is. There's a big test. I mean, I think I'd put it on on par with the, the game they had in Detroit. You know, the Lions might be a better balanced team, but the high-end offensive talent is better in Cincinnati, so it's going to be a big test. The the encouraging bit for me is just to, to project what this matchup is going to be is we, we saw the the real debut, like a, a, a prime-time television debut of Witherspoon, and now there's been some talk here about Witherspoon versus Chase and, and what the secondary looks like, but I feel like an overall healthy secondary finally get a chance to really look at like what what evolution of this defense is going to look like for the Seahawks with Witherspoon, with Jamal Adams there, and it's a great test as well to go up against Chase and Higgins. Yeah, I mean, and, and remember, Seattle doesn't shadow its corners with wide receivers, mm-hmm. so you know, it's it, it won't be Witherspoon following or Reek Wollen following Jamar Chase around. They don't they don't play that way. So kind of the offense can dictate who's on who, um, you know. And then we're you know we're I think we're kind of curious to see, you know, where Witherspoon is because he had his the, you know most of the success he had against the Giants, you know, the pick six and and a couple of big tackles and some other big plays. It came when he was in playing in the slot, playing that nickel position, the third quarter. And Michael Jackson was playing outside. That happened after after um, Jamal Adams got hurt. You know, Adams is healthy. He's going to play. 
Witherspoon, Wolin are healthy. Trey Brown is healthy. Michael Jackson's healthy. They got a couple Bryant and Artie Burns that are out, but those guys are both depth pieces right now. So, yeah, Seattle secondary is in good shape, and they're going to need to because, you know, listen, if Higgins plays, uh, add Tyler Boyd to the mix. They've got a, a really nice, solid tight end as well. And then, obviously, Jamar Chase. That's a, a really big-time receiving core that Cincinnati's got for Joe Burrow. Not even just well, what Witherspoon does on the field, but it felt like there's a certain mentality that uh, maybe was sorely lacking from the Seahawks for a lot of years defensively and starting to bring that back out and, and something that's certainly familiar for a lot of Seahawks fans as well. Yeah, they, they played with an edge. I mean, the Legion of Boom and that era of guys, those guys played with an edge. They played with a, a certain level of, you know, a kind of a tough guy mentality. And, you know, I think I think they knew they were missing a little bit of that last year, and that's why they brought back Bruce Irvin. But, you know, Devin Witherspoon has that, and he's an undersized guy in some ways. He's not a typical Seattle Pete Carroll kind of corner. He's, he's sitting there, at, you know, just around six feet, 185 pounds, but he plays big, he plays hard, he plays mean, he plays fast, he's really good against the run. Uh, you know, I was going to go back in the, in, in the heyday of that defense, two guys that didn't get talked about a lot but kind of played with that same, you know, that same anger at times, uh, Byron Maxwell and, and, uh, and Jeremy Lane, and they were both corners that were really good against the run, good tacklers, feisty, played bigger than their size, and you know, Witherspoon's got such a massive upside compared to those two guys, but that's the same kind of attitude, and I think they, they like that. Uh, we saw what they did to the Giants' uh, offensive line. Now, the Bengals have had their issues as well on the offensive line. I know there's been so much focus on Joe Burrow's calf, but the, the offensive line has not played well. Uh, will we see some of what we saw against the Giants translate or different matchup and, and certainly shouldn't expect 11 sacks? No, I, I don't think you'll see. I mean, they've they've had – They've had 11 sacks twice in the franchise's history since 1976. The last time, I think, was in 1986. So I don't think we'll see 11. You know, the, the problem with, with Cincinnati is Seattle could get four, five, six sacks in this game, and their, their, their offensive line, like you said, is not good. They, they could certainly put up some sack numbers in this game, but Burrow's so good and Chase can hit home runs. They could do that and still be in trouble because you hit a couple of shots down the field and all of a sudden – you know, you got a big play for Cincinnati. That's the difference between, say, Cincinnati and and the Panthers or the Lions, their last two opponents. So that's a concern. But yeah, the offense. Seattle's got to win the battle line of scrimmage on both sides. They've got to win it. They definitely have to win it on side against that offensive line for the Bengals and whoever's on the offensive line for Seattle. You got to win against a, an off, a defensive line that they can get to the quarterback a little bit. Can the Bengals? But teams have had success running against them this year. Although it is early, you never know. I mean, I, but I, you know, Arizona was running the ball well before James Conner got hurt last week as well. So I, there's a lot of fun matchups. We're all looking at the secondary, but the, the line of scrimmage matchups on both sides that's huge too. You know, we're, we're talking about things that you know we're, Seahawks fans would be so familiar with on the defensive side of the ball. Seahawks fans aren't familiar with stability and consistent week-to-week performance from the offensive line. Who does like who, who who gets the credit for this? The the talent evaluators, the coaching staff, it just plug and play right now whoever goes in there and it feels like they're able to move the ball. Well, I mean Andy Dickinson's the head, the line offensive line coach. He's done a really nice job. I think, you know, Shane Waldron scheme-wise has done a decent job. They've done a lot to help those guys, the backups. I mean, they they finished the last game with 
Evan Brown was the only starter out of five on the offensive line against the Giants for the final three quarters, and he's your starting center. He was playing left guard, so effectively he had five players in you know in non-starting positions. But they've given these guys help. I mean, the, the tight ends, they're playing a lot of two- and three-tight end sets, so they're getting a lot of help from tight ends on the edge. So that helps as well. But, yeah, I mean, schematically the coaches, they deserve credit. They've done a nice job with this. It hasn't been perfect. They haven't run the ball very well at all and not nearly to what the standard is that Pete Carroll wants him to run it. So, I mean, I think that comes into play as well. They want, they want to get Ken Walker going and I think they need to, they need to play a little bit more possession football. Uh, you don't want, I mean, the best way to stop Burrow is not have him on the field. And the best way to do that is have some sustained drives. They haven't been great at that this year. And when they have had some sustained drives of, you know, 10 plus plays, a lot of times they've ended up in field goals. So, they need to get six instead of three out of some of these long drives, but they need to keep Burrow off the field, and they need to run the football effectively. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, last game, it's uh, 110 yards, a really understated game when they were, when they were you know, re- really working over the Giants 24-3. So he didn't have to put up a, a 290, 310-type performance, but uh, another subtle game from him. Are you seeing an evolution in his game this season? Well, we haven't seen as many big plays. Um, maybe as we did last year, you know, he's, I hate game manager because every quarterback's a game manager, but he has managed the games well Mm -hmm. at times. That first game against the Rams would be the exception to that. He's made big plays and had first downs when they've needed him to do so. I I think the biggest question for us here is, you know, at what point does Geno and and does the offense get Jackson Smith and Jigba, who is, you know, the 20th pick overall in the draft, the, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. At what point do they get Smith and Jigba involved? He's been he's been really kind of quiet, kind of been a non-factor so far, and maybe that's because they have had a little more two and, t- two and three tight end sets to help protect that offensive line, so that's part of it. But but they need to get him more involved, and that's up to Geno as well. And Geno's kind of said that. He's like, hey, that's on me. i got to get the rookie involved more because they were really having some high expectations for him this year, and we haven't seen that yet. It does feel like the, the the one big like wide receiver performance, uh, whether it's from DK or Tyler Lockett, it, it, it does feel like we always get one every four or five weeks. We still waiting to see that to, to, to break out. Tyler Lockett really, in particular, that like three touchdown game that sometimes Tyler Lockett drops. Yeah, Tyler's. I just I just think I love watching him play every week. He's just the guy that you know he makes plays and he makes big plays. He's kind of he flies under the radar in the national scene. You know, you always hear, that, oh, he's the most underrated guy or this, and that's kind of an overused term sometimes, right? But it's, it's true. I mean, he just – he does. He kind of he kind of flies under the radar sometimes. But Tyler's he, – he's got the ability to go out and put together, a, you know, an eight-catch, 110-yard, two-touchdown game. I think the thing with Tyler that's interesting, when they need a play, like when they really need a play, he's really the go-to guy. I'll, I'll, I'll do respect to DK Metcalf. It, it's him. And we've seen that a lot. So I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, like I said, I'm waiting for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I wouldn't be, because you know who's been really good? DK's been really good. Mm-hmm. That, that first game, you know, a lot was made. He's kind of pouting. He wasn't happy and got the, per, got the penalty and all that kind of stuff. And people were complaining about DK Metcalf. And I understand that. I totally get that. But, but he's been fantastic the last three games since then. Uh, I think we're waiting for a little breakout from Tyler Lockett and Smith and Jigba. Uh, Ian, we always appreciate the chats, man. Thanks a lot for the time, and uh, certainly we'll speak to you before uh, Kraken in uh, Canucks on November 18th. Anytime, fellas. Take care. Have a great weekend. It's a good friend. Ian Furness from KGR Radio, Fox 13.
in Seattle as well, previewing the Bengals and the Seahawks uh, coming up this weekend. Pre-game show on our airwaves, 8 a.m. Yeah, it's an early one for the Seahawks. Uh, 8 a.m. pregame show, 10 o'clock kickoff. Uh, you'll hear it here on Sportsnet 650, the home of the Seahawks, plus the postgame show all the way through till 2 o'clock as well here on Sportsnet 650. Busy day on Sunday. You'll hear the baseball game as well, Rangers and Astros, uh, plus tomorrow, of course, we got uh, the Canucks and Oilers. Get your thoughts in on anything, uh, especially if you want to ask Brett Fesseling about it too. Any questions of what uh, impressions you you want to hear from Brett over 8-1 victory over the Oilers and trying to gauge it moving forward as well. We'll get to that on the other side. Before that, though, Friday, you know we got to do it. Big six. Here we go. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. I'm believing in the process. 13-16-1 on the year. I still really believe in the process. I know we've had some down years. Uh, but I, I think it's going to swing. Got a lot of faith in, in what's happened behind the scenes here. The big staff working on big six. Uh, let's get to it. Ravens, minus four versus the Titans. You got to wake up early for this one, too. Overseas game. This is like Kansas City week two. We all watch KC wide receivers drop the ball in week one. Overreaction. They covered the spread in week two. They'll rebound the Ravens here. Lamar's playing great. It's a short line on a neutral field as well. Titans traveled to London late this week. We saw what it just did to the Bills as well. Banking on some sluggishness as well with an already weak offense. Playing from behind. I'm laying the points here in this one. Ravens win 24-13. Colts plus 4.5 at the Jaguars. No rest for the weary for the Jaguars. Two weeks overseas. They get this big win against the Bills. Now, how do you handle victory? We're just talking about that with the Canucks. This is a huge win, getting that one over the Bills. Do you puff your chest out and say, hey, we're here. We're amongst the AFC elite. And you come back, divisional team on home field, get punched in the face, and you got a primetime game coming up on Thursday. It's just too many points for a divisional game. I know Anthony Richardson is out. Uh, the running game is strong, though. The defense is a bit friskier than pe or people are giving credit for, so they can control the game. They met in week one, too. Anthony Richardson gets hurt on the final drive, minute to go, right at the goal line. They would have covered that spread. It was th Jaguars were three-and-a-half-point favorites on the road in week one. Now they're four-and-a-half at home. Feels a bit fishy there. I'm going to take the points. Colts in an upset, 23-18. Don't love big numbers. But Dolphins, minus 13.5 versus the Panthers. I, I don't often take two touchdowns, but I just don't see how the Panthers keep up at all. They're just not good at stopping the run. And the Dolphins, when they have a lead, they will boat race you. And that's what they'll do to these Panthers, who just don't have answers on the offensive side of the ball. They're not explosive. They're not athletic. They're not creative. The QB doesn't provide them a physical edge at all. And I like Bryce Young. It just It's too much to prop up right now for a player in his sixth week. I'm laying the points. Dolphins win big, obviously, 33-14. Seahawks plus two and a half at the Bengals. feel like this is a bit of an overreaction to the Bengals beating the Cardinals. That game was closer then the scoreline looked. And I'm excited for the Bengals' renaissance. It's coming after the bye week. Seahawks, they get healthier as well, especially along the offensive line. Far more capable bodies in the secondary now, too, to combat with the Bengals' offense. And 
just so many different looks you can throw towards the Bengals defensively, which to me, still a unit in transition. They just gave up over five yards on the ground uh, versus the Cardinals. Uh, that was a strength of theirs last year. So I'm going to take the points here. Seahawks win on the road, 27-24. Buccaneers plus three versus the Lions. Home underdog with the good defense coming off a bye, and I get a full field goal. I'm playing the number in this one. Uh, more than it is about being anti-Lions or anything like that. Uh, they got a bunch of injuries right now. Uh, this is a pro-Lions show. Though we, got, we put them at, the I think, number six in the power rankings midweek. Uh, but I'm going to lay the points here. Baker Mayfield uh, has been pretty good. Sorry, take the points here. Uh, Baker Mayfield has been pretty good. Uh, offensive line, better than advertised coming into the preseason as well. So I'm going to uh, take the points for a home underdog here. Buccaneers in an upset, 24 21. Finally, Chargers plus two and a half versus the Cowboys. We've mentioned this before. The teams that the week after they play San Francisco, they lose again. You're all beat up. 49ers just punish you, and your body doesn't recover right away. Now we get this Cowboys team playing on the road. And who's on the other sideline? Kellen Moore, who knows everything about that offense who's probably a little annoyed that he got dispatched and it's Mike McCarthy taking over his offense and a very meager, uninventive offense. Cowboys, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. Joey Bosa didn't practice today. We'll see if they can work the edges. Tony Pollard looks like he's a full go. And the, the one downside about a Chargers home game taking them is Chargers don't have a home field advantage. Dallas fans will travel, but I'll still take the points. Chargers win. On Monday night, 34-27. Ravens, minus four. Colts, plus four and a half. Dolphins, minus 13 and a half. Seahawks, plus two and a half. Buccaneers, plus three. And Chargers, plus two and a half. It's week six for Big Six. All right, our good friend Brett Festling going to join us on the other side. We got guys naming dudes as well coming up. Your thoughts into the inbox, 650-650. Also, tune into Sportsnet Radio Friday Soccer Report. Brought to you by Casillero del Diablo Wines and the Way to Be a Legend Contest. The chance to win a once-in-a-lifetime trip to England for the ultimate Manchester United experience, including a chance to play a football game at Old Trafford where Manchester United legends will make an appearance. No purchase necessary. Conditions apply. Must be legal drinking age. Casillero del Diablo Available at BC Liquor. Please enjoy responsibly. Enter in store or visit CasilleroManchester.com. More on the way on The People Show.